This is Daniel Danger, and you're listening to the Master of One podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Tiny Media Empire, or Twitter at Tiny Media Empire, or just Googling Daniel Danger. Welcome to this sandbox episode of the Master of One podcast, part two for this week. This week, we talked to creative director and curator for the National Poster Retrospecticus, JP Boneyard. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. I'm Patrick, your master of television and film. And I'm Luke, your master of toys and games. So get your hiking boots laced up, because this national park's calling your name. But uh, I just think it's closed. Sandbox episode, we're excited to talk to somebody who you probably heard of, but you probably didn't know that he's the Blades of Steel consecutive win record holder, artist, designer, creative director, and curator for the National Poster Retrospecticus, J.P. Boneyard. We've got our bloopers. I'm clapping because you said the name right. I'm clapping because I got the name right as well. I mean, I'm excited that you're here, uh, JP, but honestly, I'm just excited that I got the word right. Oh, uh, man. Uh, so, time. dude, welcome to the show. We're so glad uh, that you're here. Uh, all of us are familiar with what you do, but um, before we dive too deep into that, we want to get the, the Wikipedia page out of the way so people who don't know who you are get a little bit of an introduction to you. So tell us who you are and, uh, and, and what you do and wh- how you got started in what you're doing now. Sure. So my name's JP. Um, I am the uh, curator, producer, creative director of the National Poster Retrospecticus, and that's a, a traveling poster show. That features hundreds of, of hand-printed posters from artists from all, all over the world. Uh, we also produce a, a series of posters for the national parks, uh, and that's the 59 Parks print series. And uh, combined with those, those two, two efforts, that's pretty much what I do full-time. Uh, and then when we find time, we get our, ourselves out there on the road for a couple months um, throughout the year and uh, have fun traveling all over the country. So, I mean, there's a lot involved in all of what you just said there. There's a lot that you bring um, to the table with that. And so let me just kind of get people started where I, where I first saw you. I saw you, I believe the very first time I ever saw your work was at um, some con or some convention or some expo somewhere. And I walked past and I thought, holy cow, did one artist do all of this amazing work? Because first of all, it, the... The NPR um, is you. You said I believe it's like 100 artists, right? That you it's bring together, closer to 200 now. Wow. Closer wow. to 200. So wow. um, it is quite an elaborate display of artwork, and um, so unique, so fun, so cool. And at these cons, typically, what you see is is one artist or maybe two artists sharing a booth. Um, but walking past and seeing that, like my mind was blown. And I don't remember if it was you that I talked to or somebody else who was sitting there. But I was like, "Did you do all this work?" And then you kind of gave me the the quick rundown. So why don't you give everybody um, kind of the nickel and dime tour, as it were, of um, what NPR is and what it's all about. Sure. So the the poster show 
Uh, it's really just a celebration of printmaking, illustration, design, and uh, originally it was it was more to celebrate um, music events or just event posters in general. Uh, so putting on on display uh, kind of the face of that moment in time, if you will. So the poster for that event, uh, whether it's a um, a music event, movie screening tag sale, it didn't matter. That's just stuff that is near and dear to myself and my friends who, who came up uh, booking DIY shows and uh, posters just became a, a vehicle uh, to promote those events. It's out of necessity. We weren't illustrators, designers, printmakers or anything like that. It was just we dug in and um, out of necessity. So the show was very much a celebration of, of those roots for us and then the art form in general. And uh, the idea is we travel around to different cities. Sometimes we'll do big shows where we'll have uh, maybe 300 posters up. Um, we've been doing more of the smaller pop-ups now where it could be 50 to 100 posters. And we've moved uh, to a spot where now we, we include gig posters, art prints. Um, now our national parks posters are, are part of this. Um, so really the spirit of, of the, the touring component is to bring the show to far off places that, uh, you know, poster shows, art events like this may not go to. So if we're in Huntsville, Alabama or Burlington, Vermont, or uh, we're going to Boise, Idaho in, in August, uh, the idea there is to bring some of these shows that might hit like uh, Seattle, Austin, New York, LA, bring it to other parts of the country, um, where, where they might not typically show up or so uh, for whatever so reason. How do you, how do you find those places? Like, how do you get that list? It's wild. Uh, I, I feel like in the olden days, uh, friends and I were booking shows in my mother's backyard shed and bands would find us somehow. And mm-hmm. now, uh, through that network and then also through a network of, uh, design friends and illustrators, um, other people that are in creative industries, um, wherever they are throughout the country, they might ask the host us. Um, for example, a friend was like, do you want to, uh, come do a show? He works at Lego headquarters in Connecticut. So do you want to come do a show here? I was like, yes, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. If Lego yeah. calls, I think you say yes to it regardless. Right. Uh, another friend was like, I know someone who, who works at Nike headquarters, would you like to do a show there? Um, and if it's someone in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska or, uh, I'm trying to think like uh, I threw out, uh, Huntsville, Alabama, uh, our connection there was friends from uh, probably like 2003. They played my mom's house, uh, way back when, and we've still been in touch all this time. And, you know, distance comes, you know, is an unfortunate part of that. Cause you can't hang out with your friends that you make that are all sure. over the country. But, uh, uh, we just dropped them a line and I think within two or three days we had a show booked and to our surprise, like people showed up to this thing, like a lot of people and they knew the artist by name. Um, so part of our mission is to, uh, to celebrate posters and the artists that, that make them, uh, and put them in front of a new audience. And sometimes we're surprised people are hungry for it in the, the places that we visit already. Um, so yeah, it, it is a challenge, but I've found that, uh, the craziest things can happen. You can book seven shows in a day. Just, I don't know how, but it happens. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, last year, I, I think we toured for three months. I was pretty beat after that. I was like, ah, I don't, I'm not going to tour for a while. Got home, caught up on work and I was like, I'd like to go to Key West. 
I never do fun things like that. Uh, it's usually work related. <laughs> I realized I was broke. So then I said, let's book, let's book seven shows four on the yeah. way there, three on the way back. It'll pay for a two day trip there. And, uh, sent out a couple emails, texts, whatever. And we had all of those shows booked in about two or three days, most of them in the first day. Wow. And I was like, all right, it's great. So, it's I good to know. be the king, right? Um, I, am, <laughs> I would never, never claim that title. Um, but uh, it, it's good to have friends. I would say that, and I sure. mean that sincerely. Like anyone we've met on tour, or bands we've we've booked, like we're just pretty much friends forever at that point. And they can call on me whenever, uh, whatever they need. And if they're passing through, even just to stay, whatever it is, um, I feel like that that community of friends and creative people is, is pretty solid. That's, that's how it's done. It's not one person. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, looking through your, um, kind of like your social feeds, it's, you come across as just an advocate for the community at large. I mean, you, you're promoting, uh, the people around you. Um, it, it seems like more than you're actually promoting the, the uh, initiatives that you're doing personally. So it, in doing this and booking these shows and connecting these artists, uh, you've used the phrase um, "polite persistence," and uh, I would love—I would love to hear you elaborate on what that phrase means to you and how that plays in uh, to doing something like the NPR. Sure, uh, this is a tricky one to to explain because I would never want people to get the the impression that I'm I'm advocating for uh, not taking or no for an answer that just that doesn't seem like the the right vibe uh, yeah. rather i think it's more of of that that polite persistence where uh someone may just not respond to you uh the first couple of times and you follow up or specifically like sometimes artists will say they'll stop by your booth or at a show and say oh, i'd love to be in the show and it's like awesome i'll follow up with you write write them they're super busy you don't hear back for a while just ping them again in a couple of weeks or a month or two um, it, it was that, that way with bands when we were, we were booking shows in the early days, uh, you'd, you'd write someone might not hear back or they'd say yes. And then they just, the trail goes cold, follow up in six months. Even it doesn't matter. Um, it's that kind of persistence of, I truly believe if, if it's an artist we'd like to work with, uh, to be a part of the poster series, include their work in the poster show, uh, or in a, a, a venue or a collective we'd like to work with. If there's that vision, I get really excited about it. It's like, man, I, I truly feel like this would be an inspired fit. And, uh, it's just finding a way to make it work. Cause, uh, maybe to your point, it's not about, or you made earlier, it's, it's not about advancing any sort of personal thing. I think for the first, uh, three years of the tour, like we lost thousands of dollars. Um, people are probably tired of me hearing me say that, but like, it was not about profit at all. It was just about the, the joy of doing it. Yeah. Um, uh, the reason that it had to turn into a, a quote business is cause I had to pay taxes on the money. It looked like I was making. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and you can only write that off for, I think three years as a loss before it becomes, uh, classified as a hobby. So, right. Right. If you're selling all these posters and you have double the costs, you need to write it off. But three years in, you got to make a profit. So that's that was an interesting time to figure out like what what does that mean for us? And sure. uh, famously, my my mom was like, "You got to stop giving away posters." Is the first thing. 
And <laughs> I looked at how many we gave away, and it was like, yeah, that that would help. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Mom. But, <laughs> exactly. Uh, real common sense one there, but it was really just a thing of like, ah, oh, I'll pay for it. Like the tour will pay for it. It'll be fine. Um, the artists will get their share. And if a, a young kid gets a poster or a student or just someone who's just like there and happy or broke or bought five posters and really wants that, that sixth one, uh, you know, it was just hard to say no. Um, but yeah, it, finding a balance now. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about the, uh, just the whole logistics of how this thing works. So if you've never been to a show where, you, where um, NPR is set up, um, there's a lot. We've already mentioned that. And, and you, you mentioned now that you have almost 200 artists and some artists have multiple pieces that you have, um, that have, that have done work for you. So a couple of logistical questions that I'll just run through and, um, hopefully you can, you can divulge some of your secrets, but, um, wh- what are these release numbers? Like when you, when you decide to work with an artist, are you doing limited releases and you're, you're only releasing, let's say, you know, you're only printing 50 or a hundred of these things, or are they open edition? Like when you get to the end of it, like you, you can, you can print more of those same thing. So I'll just go ahead and we'll ask that one and then we'll move on to the next one after that. Sure. Yeah. So the, the way this show originally worked was we would just collect um, uh, posters to, for display only and then it was, well, people keep asking for them. So why don't we have a couple for sale? So if an artist wants to send a couple extra copies, uh, typically they were working with open editions or limited editions, sometimes a run of 50, sometimes a run of 500. Uh, yeah. And then once we moved into, I, I, you know, you could refer to it as publishing maybe, um, we've done uh, open editions, timed editions, and uh, smaller editions of uh, limited runs of like 200, that sort of thing. Um, but really, it's a good mix. And specifically with the, the open editions, we just wanted to, to, ha- to have those be uh, a thing for the, the National Park series. Uh, just that way, people who aren't familiar with the poster world don't feel really upset when they find out about the series sure. two years yeah. later. Sure. And everything's sure. sold out. Because you know, a secret ambition with, with the park series is definitely to get parks, uh, fans into posters Yeah, and yeah. any other way around where poster fans are, are telling us like, we're, this is like a call, call to action, like go to visit these places now. And that's totally what, you know, we're helping, we're hoping to facilitate that. So yeah, it's, that's it's a symbiotic I, relationship there where you're hoping to get them involved in your scene and you're, they're hoping to get them involved in their scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have that sort of cross pollination. I feel like that's at the heart of of so much of of what friends and I have been doing since those early shows that I referred to before. Um, But to to throw a bone to the collectors, you know, we do the timed editions or or small limit edition runs too. Um, So, okay. So there's a mix of all those things. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about the national parks then for a second. How did that project come, come to be? Um, and why, why did you choose to partner specifically with, uh, the national parks, um, given all the other number of things that you, other organizations and places you could have, uh, partnered with, like why them specifically? Sure. Uh, well, just to, to, to clarify, like we're, um, the parks know that we exist and we've talked with all of them, but it's, it's a thing, an initiative that we're doing on our own. It's sure. not like it. I don't think they can even literally put their, their stamp on something like that unless they commission it them, themselves. Right. But, um, 
but yeah, we've talked with like the National Park Service and the Parks Foundation, and they've reached out to us even about some cool opportunities. Um, but yeah, so the idea uh, came about was just we felt like we had this vehicle uh, to display new artwork through the poster show, traveling all over the country with it, and uh, we had this this awesome roster of friends and artists who were super talented and uh, had an established relationship with for the past four years or so and felt like it'd be fun just to do some sort of series. Uh, and I like setting goals, uh, some that are not easily achievable, some that you might need a couple of years uh, mm-hmm. to chip away at. This is one yep. of them. Uh, and really it felt like national parks and basketball were the only two things that I love that weren't included in the poster show. When you talk about, um, road trips and design and printmaking, web design, um, booking events, all of that stuff, uh, national parks, basketball, only two things missing. So parks was the thing that felt probably had wider appeal, both for the artists we'd want to work with and just the public, uh, at large. But, uh, that's where the, the park series came from essentially. Wait. What is the, um, so I, I am curious about the style of everything. I actually initially didn't realize the variety in artists that are involved in the park series because so many of the, the, the prints, you could just sit beside one another and they would all match. But then if I go through and read the names, we're actually dealing with some pretty varied people stylistically that are, are producing something that that's pretty in line with each other. So is yeah. there... Like, is that a, a call for an artist working with you with the park series to kind of stay within that style? Uh, that's probably where where we come in. Uh, and myself as is more of art director, creative director, that sort of thing. Um, it's it's the, to have a thread that kind of ties each poster into the next. So essentially you could put two or three next to each other uh, from any park and hopefully they fit. I feel like part of... of what helps us achieve that is the template that we, we put together. It's super minimal. Uh, that was, that was intentional, but, um, our friend Riley Cran, uh, incredible type designer. Um, he, he made the, the typeface for us, uh, specifically for this project. Um, oh, cool. so that's, I feel like the typography is a big thing that ties it together. Um, the little badge we have on each one, mm-hmm. but then also, that is on, on myself to work with each artist pretty closely in terms of locking in uh, like a light narrative in terms of what uh, part of the park we're going to feature, what activity, what kind of animal, that sort of thing, and being mindful of what we've done before, what we haven't done yet. Um, keep in mind things like color, keep it pretty, sty- you know, we want their, their voice to, to be on center stage uh, visually but we also want to have it feel unified within the series and uh, check off that box of, of being pretty representational of the actual park too. Yeah. Uh, in theory, someone should be able to see our poster go and stand in that relative spot and see what they saw on the poster. Um, something that I've, I've had a chance to do a couple of times and it was kind of overwhelming and incredible yeah. uh, to be like, wow, that poster, it, it worked on me. The poster got me to go, to this spot to stand on this mountain to do that, just take it in. And, uh, that was a great feeling. That's incredible. So, okay. So you're, you're touching all the feels right now, right? So, um, (laughs) I want to know, uh, 
you, you said this thing about um, trying to tell the story and you give them some guide, some guidance and some framework and you, you art direct that a little bit. Um, but then the, still you want the, the artist to be able to tell their story. And um, specifically with the park stuff, you want the, the park to be represented well, and you want NPR to be represented. So there's this kind of this trifecta that's happening. Um, but when you are going to these different venues, you mentioned that you do, depending on the size of the venue, you do a different size uh, display. So you said sometimes you'll do like 50 of them or sometimes you'll do more. Um, how do you choose what, what things go on display, what, what pieces go on display for each venue? It's tough. Uh, I feel like in the early days, I would just put up everything, literally everything. We would find a way to put up every poster, uh, but sometimes the time investment there, uh, is a little tricky. And then we'd find that people get really, really passionate, I should say about posters that aren't for sale. So we try to, <laughs> lean. that's a very diplomatic way of saying that <laughs> so much of my work in the last two years of, of doing specifically the park series is just practicing being that diplomat because sure. there's so many, so as, even with customer service, dealing with people at shows, um, but, you know, artists, their feelings, you know, being mindful of, of how hard they've worked on things and asking for edits of, yeah, being a diplomat. <laughs> so, yeah, people get, get passionate about that. So we do want to lean heavier towards, uh, you know, 80, 75% of everything is uh, on display is for sale. So that kind of makes the decision for us. Uh, we do our best with that. Uh, but we, at the same time, want to make sure that certain artists are still represented on the wall, even if their print is sold out. Um, that usually leads into conversations of, why can't I have that one? I will pay you anything for that one. Can I take it off the wall now? Right. Et cetera. I don't care <laughs> that there's a pinhole in it or that it's been, you know, put up and down a thousand times. Yeah, I, I, I'm right. probably that guy. I'd probably be that guy. I, was like, I want that on my wall, regardless of what you said. Right. Right. Um, so I just I have so I have one final um, one final logistical question, then we can move on um, to some things that are maybe a little bit more inspirational and less practical, right? Um, the so I'm looking at you know I've been to the show a couple of times, I've seen it, um, and then you're talking about how artists send you um, their work and all these different things, and you are essentially a traveling gallery. Um, what are the logistics of that? What, what are, what are all the, the ins and outs and the pieces that go into getting art to you and then back to these shows? And then, um, j just the, all the moving pieces and parts that, that require you, um, to, to get art to these different locations. Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a tricky one. And have you sure. perfected uh, it yet? That's the question. That's because <laughs> I'm looking at this and, I, and it makes me sweaty thinking about it, but um, you're sitting there with this award-winning smile. Like, yeah, this is no big deal. <laughs> so like, like I just want to hear how you, how you manage the logistics of that. Uh, first I would say there is no perfect. If the last two years of, right. of running the park series and this whole thing full time, it's that there, there is no perfect. I could share any, any bit of, if you call it wisdom, uh, th that would be it. Uh, get rid of expectations. There's healthy striving, there's goals, but there's no perfect. Because uh, that just leads to disappointment and frustration, and that's not helpful at the end of the day. Well, you My perspective, say... Um, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. That was it. Oh, I was going to say, will you say at the, the top of your uh, one of your blog posts, uh, perfect is the enemy of great. 
and um, it, it, is that just like always a threat? I know in that case, you were just saying we, we need to actually get this website up. We can't like just keep waiting into, until we feel like it's actually finished because we'll just put it off forever. But um, I mean, are you encouraging your artists of that as well? Because I just you're dealing with 200 people's deadlines. <laughs> oh, sure. Insane. I mean, that that is the crazy part. And uh, for the poster show, you know, I'm letting let some secrets out here, but we're we're a little more um, anything goes. If it's fun, that's it. You know, that's that's all we care about with the park series. Sure. It, it is a little more of like, let's take a second or third pass at, you know, a couple details here and there. And that's mostly because it's not just a, a moment in time that that poster is going to represent, but it's really indefinitely. They're open edition. So we want to make sure we get it right. And it is the kind of thing where if you just, we have an artist uh, uh, draw an awesome picture of the forest. That's kind of in their wheelhouse. That's their, their uh, mythology that they work within. Great. But if it's a park and it's a place that people have been to, are passionate about, have like so many memories tied to it, they want it to be represented like they remember it and they want it to be accurate. And we're not always going to get it right because that's totally uh, a subjective thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but we're, we're definitely not trying to go for perfect. Uh, it, for me, it's like knowing when we've pushed too hard, not enough, um, you know, how hard the artists worked, what else they got on their plate, that sort of thing. So considering all those, those variables and, and, you know, knowing which things like, ah, eh, we can let that slide, or maybe we'll fix that and like touch it up a little in a, a, a second reprint. Um, so it, it is a bit of a balance, but yeah, perfect is, that's just not a thing. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but so like we, we've gotten away from your original question though. I'm sorry. No, no, that's, that's oh, Andrews. It yeah. Matter. I mean, it's yeah. Pat, Patrick doesn't care. He's fine to just derail <laughs> it and roll. I just, for me, I just wanted to know more, you know, about the, the ins and outs of that. Like what, um, like if, if you have found there to be like this one thing that after a few, you know, a few trial and errors, you know, this, this is kind of the preferred method in which you do things like you ship things out X number of days beforehand so that they're there, you know, in plenty of time, or you bring everything with you instead of shipping, just so you know, you have your entire stock like that kind of stuff is really more what I, what I was driving at. Um, after, you know, finding out that, yeah, maybe there is no perfect, although yeah. you, you do make it seem, um, way easier. Like I'd just be sweating buckets the entire time. <laughs> right. But the difference is, and if I was going to run a, a podcast, I would be doing the same, but you've had ah. the advantage of doing it for a couple of years where I've also been doing, uh, shows for a couple of years, things like that. So, uh, there was, don't worry, there was enough sweat for both of us. The, the <laughs> okay. early days of doing this where it was like, you just, my, my whole thing, what, what drives me is, is really, um, just not wanting to let anyone down or to overpromise or under deliver, whether it's the people coming to a show, our hosts or the artists, um, our customers or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's just digging in and be like, well, this sucks, but I got to figure it out. So, yeah. Uh, in a roundabout way, we we travel with everything if if possible. We have flight okay. cases in case we fly. We have road cases in case we're driving. Um, rarely do we like to ship stuff ahead of time, just because anything can happen with that. Uh, and usually, we try to bring enough back stock to get us through however long we're on the road for. We try to bring a good mix, um, especially if we know we're going to a certain city. There's a couple artists from that city. Want to make sure they're represented well, uh, but. Truly, like every show is completely different, even on 
I would say 75, 80% of it feels like, oh yeah, this is totally, we got this. There's always that 20% that's like never hung on glass before. We've never, never hung on a, a weird curved wall. That's like falling on top of us at the same time as it is curving. Like that's oh, a story. To this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> story to that, man. Uh, you know, you show up places and, and they ask you to hang with wire and that's not good for the posters usually. Uh, so you learn to, to, I don't like dealing with contracts and things, but you learn to put together a little agreement that just says, Hey, we can only hang with these preferred methods. Uh, sign off on that, please. So we can always just point to that when we get yeah. to a venue. Um, so it's that kind of thing that you learn while just trial and error on the road. Um, what, you know, best practices, that sort of thing. Uh, again, like knowing like you'll put out the feelers to maybe 30 new artists or, or for new work, you might get 15 to 20 sending work in. Don't take it personally. Um, account for that for the park series. Uh, we usually try to book four artists a month and almost, almost every single month we get two. So yeah, we know and we can just, it's, that's fine. We're just shuffling. Tom Whalen's a tough one. He, he tends to just, you know, it's, it is what it is. Just kidding. <laughs> He's a friend of ours. He comes on the show regularly. You, do you, JP, do you worry a lot? Because I've heard you say a couple of things <laughs> like you, you, I, I know you said beforehand, um, before we started recording that you don't consider yourself a professional. And then you've talked about, um, some of the, the stress of doing this. I mean, do you, uh, like, are you very self-conscious about this stuff that you're doing or about the way you're perceived by people? Or, um, is that just like always nagging at you or are you able to push that away and just like do your thing? No, I mean, that's, I, 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 I do care very much, uh, the experience people have at our events. Uh, and I'd care very much, you know, um, uh, how people feel we're representing the parks or the park series or, how we're representing the artists uh, and the poster show. And you, know, you see even like interpersonal things. If people come up and talk to us at a show, like we talk to hundreds of people sometimes and in and, and three hours, and that can be pretty exhausting, especially if we just drove 10 hours. So like I care a lot about being present uh, and being considerate and kind, giving the people enough time to ask questions, even if they're the same five questions, yeah. <laughs> you know, you wish you just had like a board you could point to and say, here are the answers to the same five questions. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I, I don't worry too much about other people's, uh, perceptions of, of what we do or myself or, uh, really, uh, I feel like this is borrowing from, from, uh, a basketball coach by the name of John Wooden, but it's really more about, uh, your character than your represent, uh, uh, than your reputation. Sure. Um, I feel like you probably find that in some like stoicism books too. Um, so I truly feel that like I'm doing the best I can in all of these areas. Sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes it's not as much as I'd like it to be. Uh, but it's usually a, a sort of thing if you allocate that time and energy to these different little buckets. Cause I have a lot of different areas I have to focus on. Um, so inevitably one's going to be a little bit less attended to than, than normal, but it's cause it's always shifting and it depends if I'm in tour mode of shipping mode, uh, production mode. So yeah, I don't try to worry too much. Last year it was more of a, uh, my only concern was how to make ends meet, uh, because I took on this, this park series thing, uh, funded it myself 
and each release basically kickstarts the next release. And there were a couple of times where we just didn't have posters come out because uh, schedules kind of got goofed up and that was kind of you know, rookie mistakes. And some of it's out of our hands with, with releases, but uh, you know, learn from it. And this year uh, I felt that stress one week out of the entire year so far or last year, I felt it nice. every single day. That's good. Uh, and so would you say not- you've perfected it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> uh, not at all. It's, it's a work in progress. That's what I mean. There's no yeah. perfect in the sense of like, I still have to remember that and work on it every day. Sure. Um, it's not a thing. You just get comfortable with it and let it slide. Uh, Cause it will sneak up on you. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it really is a, a thing of, of last year, uh, you know, had some crazy life stuff going on. The poster series, starting off then touring for three months. And I remember sitting there one day, like I had to hang the biggest show of the year by myself, just didn't have the help that day. Um, and feeling super overwhelmed with everything that had to, to come up. And that was kind of like the beginning of three months. And I said this out loud to myself and maybe it's a little embarrassing to talk like that, but, uh, I was like, you got, you got what it takes to get through today. And I said, Hell yeah, which I've never said hell yeah in my life to anything. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I like stopped from it and laughed. I was like, cool. I felt like the anxiety was slowly leaving. Yeah. Um, You know, just really practice a lot of reading uh, uh, about stuff like that. And um, it's it's helped immensely. Uh, And just the practice and just being in it. It's kind of like, imagine what weightlifting's like. I don't I don't get that into that too seriously. Uh, for anyone that knows me or just looks at me, but, uh, no, you look pretty swole right now. (laughs) Uh, well, thank you. Um, (laughs) very kind. Uh, uh, but you know, the heavy lifting gets easier over time and then you just add more to your plate and somehow you can lift it. If you drop me right where I am right now, five years ago, I'd be so overwhelmed. So out of my mind, sure. So worried. (laughs) <laughs> but it's uh that experience and then just the patience and uh just truly taking it one day at a time and knowing like yeah i got what it takes to get through today i know exactly what i got to do prioritize delegate do that done yeah. uh, it's when you start looking do i have the whole month done the whole year that's you get worried yeah uh, so that's a, a a real practice for me. It's not how I've ever operated my whole life, but it's my work the last two years has really, I feel like demanded that from me and it's, it's been super helpful. Absolutely. So I want to go back a little bit to the band stuff. So you, you started, you said you had people coming and playing at uh, your house and that's how you got to know a lot of people throughout the country. And that's kind of, you know, friends and acquaintances are just like, yeah, you can do come here, put a show on here. So did you play music and tour and that, is that where this like touring aspect came from or talk a little bit about how music plays into this for you and kind of what you've continued to do with bands since then? Yeah, I mean it's a, the biggest part of all of this. It's it's where it came from. Uh I have conversations with with friends that I'll see or talk to on the phone and it's been a couple months or um or longer cuz we live all over the world at this point now, but Yeah. Like those those early days of of having something positive and constructive to do, uh, whether you're just attending or you're made the poster for it or you're playing music at the show, 
um, that was big for a lot of us. Uh, a lot of, uh, our, our town was, you'd probably call it down on its luck in some ways for some of us. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, the certain challenges I would say, mm-hmm. uh, with, with just growing up where we did. And, uh, that was something positive and it really made all the difference for us. So yeah, early days of playing music and booking shows, uh, got us through some weird times, brought a lot of us together. Yeah. Um, a sense of community. And for a lot of us, so many of us, it led to our careers where it's like, Oh, the person who's, you know, shooting video at every show now edits video for a living. The people right. who design the websites for the shows and make the posters are doing that for a living. Like sure. people, some of the, the musicians are doing that or recording, uh, engineers for a living. Um, uh, someone that you mentioned earlier, um, my, my friend, Daniel, uh, Daniel Danger, who does posters and things. Uh, you know, we played in bands together, uh, coming up and it's just like, he's another guy of, I mean, he, he was making little flyers and stuff for our shows back in the day. And they're always light years ahead of the rest of us, but like, he's, he's doing that full time still, yeah. um, less for, for music events, but that's what got him into it. Um, uh, and he's still touring and playing in bands. And, uh, for myself, I think the, the, the touring model is, is directly borrowed from uh, touring in bands when, when I played more back in the day. Um, we drive around the country, book either a month-long cross-country tour, just a New England tour, that sort of thing. So it really is every, every bit of uh, experience and knowledge gained from booking shows and playing in bands uh, just transpose it to what we're doing now. It's the same thing. We have like road cases that look like yeah, but, yeah. yeah like music. Well, I was gonna say instead of instruments, it's just uh, pieces of paper, stacks and stacks of paper. Well, I was right, gonna that, say, do you regret playing drums since you had to load in three times as much <laughs> as everyone else for every single show? Clearly, no, because I am lifting two hundred pound crates sometimes by myself up and down three flights of stairs. Oh my gosh. Uh, several times. So <laughs> just put it in your contract. They have to install one of those like stair elevator things that like elderly people use. Then you can just do that. Just put it in the, the, I don't know what those are called. The stair elevator and let that take it up. Right. It'd be um, perfect. I would also have to install one in my place. Um, no, it, it's, it's just a, it's one of those things. I feel like every day it's, it's no joke. You have to earn it in some way. And sometimes it's just physical work and it's, you know, it can suck at times or down in Texas. It is, it is, it is crispy. It is hot. And, uh, uh-huh. five minutes of like loading up the van, you're just, you need to change your clothes again or just live in them for the next two weeks. So it's been a bit yeah. extra crispy the last couple of days too. Yes. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, it was, so, uh, Peek behind the curtain for everybody out there. Just a little side note. Uh, it was 107 degrees where uh, JP and I are yesterday, today, with a heat index of 114, which That's is stupid. stupid. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. Well, let's go ahead and uh, we're going to jump into final questions. We definitely want to be respectful of your time. And um, I'm, you've obviously got plenty of work to still go do. So we don't want to keep you from it. Uh, I will say before I jump into mine, um, we haven't touched on it at all in this interview, but you also do um, some web design and development as well, which really is I, I, for the people listening. If you don't do that, it, it like doing that type of layout is really a skill in itself. Um, and it, it, you know, you, you can meet people that are incredible illustrators or 
even incredible graphic designers and they can just be awful at uh, web design. And um, so in, in this stuff, you usually agreed. So, so go check out uh, JP's website and you can see examples of that. And of course um, you're going to see this other stuff we've been talking about uh, today, but I did want to ask you a question about the design landscape at large. So uh, you yourself, of course uh, you work, but, but you also deal with a lot of artists. I mean, uh, what for someone that is trying to make a living, making their art, uh, what, what is the landscape right now? Is that a possibility? Do, do you find that the majority of people you're working with are able to, uh, and this is you included, are, are able to make a living uh, doing freelancer contract work? Or do you find that some of these like really amazing people, like the majority of them are actually like struggling to fit those pieces together? Oh, I, I would say uh, short answer. Yes. I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, I feel like truly just about anything is possible if you're um, stoked on it and you're willing to put in the work and it might take a year, five years, 10 years to get to the place where you're comfortable or proficient or uh, reliably sort of getting that, that work. But if it's, if it's what you truly want, I feel it, it will work out um, myself. And I would say probably the 200 artists in the show are the best example of that. Uh, and in working with them, certainly, um, is, is, is encouragement for me again, just like a reminder that this is totally possible. You can totally do it. It is not yeah. easy though. Um, and there are a lot of other people doing it as well. So that's the other thing to consider. But, uh, I would say some, some folks more longer answer, uh, they may have families to consider. So they will balance, uh, doing their, their freelance work maybe at night or on the weekends and have that full-time job. Um, that's probably killer pay or it's creative direction job or something like that. Um, or more of the tech side and they come home and do more of the illustration stuff. Um, so it's, it's really whatever you can think up, uh, there's a way to get it done for real. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think for myself, um, I live pretty, pretty modestly. So it's, uh, it's pretty easy to, to just do what I'm doing and, and not have to, to sweat, a lifestyle or anything like that. Um, sure. but there are certain things that you do have to compromise, uh, for sure. And especially in the beginning, like I said, last year was pretty rough, uh, at, at times. Um, but it's, it's, it's doable. And the thing is, uh, if, if you're a decent enough person and a decent enough, uh, at what you do, you can go get another job full time somewhere else. If it just doesn't work out. Um, sure. Or if you need to dip in, like I've, I've had to consider that last year where it was like, do I get a part-time job somewhere? Do I do more freelance? I don't really have the time, but I need to make it if I can't pay bills. So that's yeah. a, a thing that you have to just figure out. Yeah. Reality uh, check. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. So I want to know for my final question, like what are those, what are those five questions you mentioned before the five questions you get asked all the time that you wish you could put up on a board? Like, what are those questions? <laughs> uh, they, they might be, and no offense uh, to anyone, uh, are these all made by the same artist? The answer is no. Uh, mm-hmm. There are many different artists from around the world. Um, I see uh, that hand. Right. <laughs> what, 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 is, uh, what is screen printing? Um, who are you and why are you here? 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a fair question when you're in someone's house at 2 a.m. <laughs> that's a totally fair question. <laughs> I'm saying we're out in public. We're in a, a public place. Um, uh, ah, shoot. Um, can I have the one off of the wall? No. And uh, uh, the answer is usually no, because we have to keep one for the archives. Um, uh, I'm flaking on a on a fifth one. Oh, okay. are you all the artists? That happens a uh, lot. Okay. Do you do all and these? They say no. no. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the answer is no. It's uh, many different artists from around the world. So you, so you said that the answer is usually no about if people can they take it off of the wall. Who is the person you have made that exception for? Tell me, it's Kanye West. No, <laughs> uh, he, he's he's never been to one of our shows. Um, but on principle, I feel like he, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bend for him. I would be seriously, sincerely, more, more likely. Uh, like the, uh, the kid who like came up in, uh, wearing a Batman costume for some reason at a show, uh, was buying a bunch of motorcycle prints and like little kid, like, so his mom was buying them really. But, uh, I, I feel like we had one more that he didn't buy yet. And like, maybe we just had the wall copy or, or one more copy. Like you give it to that kid. Like that's yeah. the, the, the person. Not Kanye, Kanye yeah. can, he can, sorry, no, Kanye. No, You're on he, your own buddy. He's doing all right. Uh, <laughs> but some, and it's, it's, yeah, uh, we've had shows where uh, you set someone up with, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the wall copy, but our last copy or whatever it is, or they're like, oh, I just don't have the money. So, you know, you give it to them, trade up or half price, whatever it is. And, you know, you see the guy a year later, and he's like, that poster got me back in the drawing. I can't tell you how much that means to me. And like, that's the kind of thing that like, I value more uh, than hanging on to one copy or yeah. making money on a sale. Like, that's the... That's the thing. Um, That's the story you go back and say, mom, listen, I love you, but look <laughs> at this story. Like, how can I pass this up? Um, right. So, so, okay. So for my final question, I want to know you've, you've worked with almost 200 different artists. And when you look at the, the, the roster of, of the artists that you've had the opportunity to, um, work alongside art direct, uh, whatever you want to say, team up with partner with, um, what are, what is, uh, just one, uh, takeaway that you have learned from all of them collectively or for one of them specifically, you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but what's one thing you've learned, um, that will forever change your design perspective when you go into a project for yourself. And that's a, you saved the, the biggest one for last, uh, <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, for some reason, I wish I had a more profound answer, but I feel like uh, patience is definitely one of them. Um, and just really valuing your work, uh, something that maybe I, I, I didn't do as much before when I was like, yeah, I'll just do all this work for free. And, you know, if I could, I, I would, uh, but I have to pay bills, student loans, things like that. Yeah. Um, so really just the, the, the value of your work Cause people will ask like, why, why does this cost so much money or why is it, why do I have to pay that much? That sort of thing. And it's not necessarily, uh, for the one print that you're, you're purchasing or the one print that I'm commissioning or whatever it is. It's, it's like the countless hours of time that the, the artist or myself or whoever is, is invested in their craft. Right. And yeah. that's the thing that you're paying for. And, um, that's no BS. That's a, that's a very sincere thing, especially because a lot of people put themselves in debt to hone that craft, whether yeah. it's through getting an education or going out on their own and just, you know, eating peanut butter every day. 
that sort of thing uh, until you can kind of get caught up, get, get kind of comfortable. Yeah. Um, no, I so, think that's a, I think that's a really practical thing uh, to take away. Even, even if it's not quote unquote profound, it is in, incredibly practical and very attainable um, for anybody out there, whether they're just starting out, whether they're aspiring or whether they're Tom Whalen and you've done a thousand of these things, you know, I think it to, to be reminded that value your work and be patient and, and do what you uh, do, do the things that you do and do them well and value it. Um, well, tell everybody uh, where they can find what you do and they can support what you do and get their hands on some of the stuff that we've been talking about this whole episode. Sure. Uh, so the the main site you could go to is nationalposterretrospecticus.com, uh, shorter version, nprshow.com. Uh, you can also go to 59parks.net. That is number five, number nine, parks.net. Uh, we're on at the Instagrams, all that good stuff too, under both the National Poster Retrospecticus and 59 Parks. Uh, you can catch us on tour uh, this August. Uh, we'll be mostly going through like Colorado area and then up and down uh, the West Coast. But if you're out that way, all shows are, are free, all ages. Um, so feel free to come, come say hello. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with us. Go check out all of that stuff. But before we head out of here, would you mind uh, drawing tokens for us so that we know exactly what we're talking about next week? Sure. That would be amazing. All right. Well, that's it for the interview portion. Up next, we're going to draw some tokens. Are you looking to build your audience with a podcast? Then check out the folks at Cast Pro. Cast Pro is an experienced group of podcasters, developers, editors, and designers that want to remove any barriers that stand in the way of you creating your best content. No matter what your level of experience, they have the tools to come alongside you and elevate your message. With plans for the hobbyist to the professional, they've got you covered. Find out more at castpro.io. That's C-A-S-T-P-R-O dot I-O. Cast Pro. Focus on your message. They'll take care of everything else. So the tokens portion of every week is when we get to figure out the categories we will have the next week. And then we each pick our topics based on those randomly drawn categories. That's how it works. Um, I'm going to go ahead and flip these tokens face down. I'm shuffling them up. I have three of them. That means you have the choice of one, two, or three, and you'll be picking for Patrick. Go ahead whenever you're ready. Three. Three. Patrick, you got art and design. That means right. Luke, you're That's off the, the hook. Curse is broken. <laughs> All Congratulations. Right. All right. And then you'll be picking for Luke. Give me one or two. Two, please. Luke, you got your category back, my Thank friend. You. Congratulations. That means I have TV and film. Luke has toys and games. You did a great, great job, JP. Um, thank you for coming on and chatting. The work that you curate, the stuff that you guys do is incredibly cool. It's incredibly, uh, incredibly great. And then on top of that, um, the, the purpose behind it. And um, if you go and you kind of look into these different, uh, some of these parks posters that you, you do, um, like give, you give back to certain organizations and different um, things. It's a great, great call. So go check out this, the website, the 59 parks, um, and then check out a show if he's local in your area. Plus, uh, he's just a stand up dude. So if you're in the Austin area, take this guy out and grab him a piece of a piece of pizza or a beer or something. Um, super cool, dude. Uh, you can find all of the show notes and stuff that we talked about the links on M of one podcast.com. You can also find a slew of other people in the archive. Lots of people who have actually done work for NPR um, and the park stuff there. 
there are so many of those artists who we've talked to in the past. So uh, go find out those artists and then go to our archive and see if they're if they're in there. And if they are, give it a listen. Um, you can also find us on the social media. Just search M of One Podcast on all the different socials and connect with us on there. Talk with us. We want to be your friend. That's what we're here for. And then you can join the conversation on Slack. Go to M of One Podcast.com slash Slack to join the community. We've got well over 200 active users in there now who are chatting day in and day out, sharing ideas, sharing um their work and just being a great place of encouragement and community be in that community. It's super fun. It's super simple. And, uh, we're, we're missing you. If you're not in there, go to iTunes and subscribe. When you do that, it is super helpful to us. And then it comes twice a week, every week to your inbox or your phone device or your mobile listening station, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, it goes to it, uh, twice a week. And it's super easy. Then after you do that, Patrick, what do you do? You're going to rate and review the show. That's right. Leave us some stars. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think, whatever it is, good or bad, hopefully good. And then we're going to read it on our Tuesday episode. Uh, It doesn't take you much time. It does us a lot of good. But then after you rate and review, what are you going to do next, Andrew? Well, then you go over to Patreon and go to patreon.com slash M of one podcast and support the show financially. If you can throw us a dollar, throw us five, five, get you the blooper level and uh, a a special Slack channel and um, information early and all sorts of fun stuff. Just go and do that. If you're liking what you're hearing, throw a couple dollars in the bucket. Every buck helps. um, And uh, and it helps us continue to push forward and create, create and generate new content. I think that's all for now, though. We're going to get out of this episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. JP. Peace out. Bye. Hold on to your butts. Stay cool. Sandbox episode, we are excited to talk to somebody who most of you have probably heard of. This guy is the Blades of Steel consecutive win record holder, artist, designer, creative director, and curator for the National Poster Retrospect. Let me try to say the word retrospecticus without messing that up. Let's try this one more time. <laughs> retrospecticus is not an easy word to say. No, it's the worst. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Oh.